We're back. It's episode 22. I, just before we started recording, I'm like, this is episode 21, right? (laughs) (laughs) Trying to lose track of episode numbers. Yeah. Um, But we're back. And today's theme is about basically customizing your routine and getting it ready for summer. Um, At this point, we're going to be actually pretty deep into summer. And I feel like summertime has already been, it came a little early this year. Yeah. I think all the flowers are blooming earlier than usual. And... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hot already. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but before that, a uh, couple brand updates. Mm-hmm. Um, first things first is we are very close to revealing our so next close. our next launch. So close. It's it's gonna be Gen two of our moisturizers. Um, you probably might have heard Gloria unveil it a little bit. It is focused on Mr. Reliable. Um, we're just we're really trying to get production um, scheduled as quickly as possible, um, but we are probably going to be revealing some sneak peeks um, relatively soon. Um, but I figured since we are planning to be launching something shortly, um, we probably should kind of talk about why we decided to come out with products, right, Gloria? Yes. So um, why did we take the leap? I don't. I know. don't. <laughs> Masochist. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who been with us since the beginning instagram was kind of where we shared our insider knowledge Mm -hmm. on formulation tidbits Mm -hmm. just chemist rants about Mm -hmm. um everything skincare really and when it started getting traction we had a few routes we could have taken right neither of us really want to go back to work for a big company (laughs) been there done that yeah and we really felt like on the content side, neither, we're very camera shy. As you can see, it took us about three years to be more face forward. With, <laughs> With a little alcohol incentive. Yeah, so being influencers and just like a, a core content creator wasn't the goal either. And at the end of the day, us chemists, we create products and that's our passion. That's true. So that's why we decided to um, kind of try to do them all, try to do a brand, try to do good products and still be here and creating good content for everyone. Well, I think the other thing too is like, it kind of felt one-sided just talking about products, but not doing something about it. You know, like we could talk about like wanting transparency. We can talk shit about products all day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we really could. But it just, it felt a little lopsided, you know, when at the core of what we like to do is actually create formulas. Mm -hmm. So um, we definitely aren't, we definitely uh, don't want to follow like the seasonal launch plan that a lot of bigger companies do. You'll see like they have like launches scheduled like systematically and for us it really felt like what would be meaningful what really solved a problem like what could we do to really like help elevate and just overall improve people's routines and that's how we ended up here i guess yeah and i will say like fun fact from when we first created the Mm. line we um created a line of moisturizers Mm. um it was actually really a very fast process Mm -hmm. because a lot of the products are um, ideas we've been stewing on the formulations are relatively straightforward based on our experience like basically some i think sometimes the concept of a product takes longer mm-hmm. than actually creating the product for mm-hmm. us um but those concepts were really clear we wanted to mm-hmm. create a moisturizer line um each with the best in class ingredients as we would call in the uh in different categories of moisturization so um i'm talking about a best in class Humectants mm-hmm. in Aquafix, best in class in Malians in the best um, better oil and occlusives in Bon Voyage, mm-hmm. with a heavy emphasis on, on um, soothing. Yep. Which with that was so it makes so much sense, so clear. <laughs> but when we launched, we were like, "Oh right, we don't know anything about marketing." <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true because we launched that thinking, you know, the moisturizer concept is so archaic. Mm-hmm. People are locked into these like very old school formats. And at the end of the day, brands don't quite know what that means really in terms of dry skin, oily skin, mm-hmm. oily skin combo and normal skin. So we're like, we should be creating these best in class moisturizing components. Then we launched it and they're like, nobody knows what humectants are. I'm yeah. Like, oh, yeah. right. We forgot that piece. I think the number one question we had when we launched products yeah. was, uh, is this Aquafix? Is it like 
is it a moisturizer? Is it a serum? We're like, it's humectant. They're like, is it a serum or what? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we learned so much on this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, the industry continues to improve. Mm-hmm. More and more ingredients are being made, and we kind of filter through them. We understand that. You know, instead of launching another Aquafix, you know, but in a different colored bottle, like, why not just improve upon this formula that we love to Gen 2s? And that's really, for us, it's conscious formulation, responsible formulation. We don't need another, like, Aquafix that's, like, seasonal and smells like pumpkin spice latte for fall. You know what I mean? So then- <laughs> That's a lab addition for me. me only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's, yeah, I figured we should probably talk about why we decided to come out with products. Actually, mm. speaking of brand updates, because we're really close to some big reveals. Mm. Um, so close. So close. So we close. had a few, like, COVID babies. I think the book yeah. is one, and mm. this the next two big launches yeah. actually have been going on through the entire duration of COVID. It's just been really challenging putting the pieces together. Mm. But until we can really get into it and tell you guys what we've been working on, we would love to share this one of our favorite reviews on Blank Slate. Oh yeah. Recently. I you know, I think it's we should keep doing this per episode because mm-hmm. I think good words are always nice, you know, and I Gore and I are the type of people that just are get very awkward with compliments so it's probably nice to hear these things my boyfriend will say i barely like hugs <laughs> yeah so, so i still like hugs though i like hugs just <laughs> so um this is our latest review also recording this podcast of the blank slate and it really just tickle <laughs> tickle our sense of humor in the right way yeah um she, samantha says this cleanser is boring in the best way. <laughs> that is exactly why we made it. <laughs> I actually don't think she could have captured that better. Yeah. We might actually steal that slogan as like a, you know, tongue-in-cheek yes. moment for Blank Slate. Yes, and we, the two of us always say when we decode deco cleansers, it's like, you know, there are some crazy, crazy-ass claims out there like, this cleanser erases fine lines and wrinkles. No, it doesn't. Purifies your skin. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Injects oxygen when Exercises it bubbles. Exercises your sins. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Samantha continues to say, I have many bottles of the Glossier wash. Mm. While I miss the scent, I'm really mm. enjoying this. It removes sunscreen better than most non-oil cleansers I've used. We tested for that specifically. <laughs> so I enjoy using it this just one to two times if I'm using sunscreen. Also, a great morning cleanser. It's non-stripping and rinses easily. Not sure what more I could ask for. Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> I love this review yeah. just because I feel like it really captured a lot of our thought process and what we wanted this cleanser yeah. to be while we're exactly. making it. Exactly. So, thank Thanks, you, Samantha. Samantha. It really makes Boring it so good. Boring in the best way possible. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, awesome. All right. Uh, before we get into the news, uh, obviously we have to ask Gloria, what are you drinking today? It's a Thursday. Oh, it's, a th- it's been a really long week, guys. <laughs> Every week we say, oh, this is the long week. And then somehow we're surprised that the next <laughs> week is longer. But yeah, anyways. So I am being a basic bitty and having a hard seltzer. Mm. From Costco. Mm-hmm. This is a mango flavor. It's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's the best hard seltzer out there, but in terms of bang for bog flavor, does the job. Yeah. And uh, today I'm going with Golden Road Passion Wolf Hazy IPA. I did not choose this because I like IPAs. I choose this because of the dog packaging, and that's it. It's got a husky on it <laughs> with sunglasses. With, <laughs> with Coachella sunglasses. Who so I can that's it. Oh, actually. Let's say tomorrow COVID ends and the world goes back to completely uh, normal. Mm-hmm. Where would you go? I already said I'm going clubbing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there with you and I will be wearing flip-flops. Yeah, I'm bringing my tennis shoes. I'm going to arrive early because we're, you know, we're just not the, I'm going to wear a tight dress time frame of our lives anymore wait did we tell that story on the podcast yes we did um yeah so for those of you who know i don't remember the episode but long story short that was last episode oh my <laughs> sweet lord baby jesus we went clubbing in sneakers in taipei and apparently i don't remember i mean at, at a point in my life where i retell stories over and over again cool it's not good guys it's not, <laughs> not a good, good look. look um 
All right, so I guess now it's time to actually get into the news. The news. What's going on in the industry? Yeah, so I actually found that Paula Choice just launched an AHA product. And uh, yeah, basically it's um, a 25% AHA uh, with 2% salicylic acid, um, also used as a wash-off mask um, and huh. comes in a squeeze tube and uh, <laughs> is colored. <laughs> well, I think that's a great idea, Victoria. <laughs> I yeah, wish more brands would do you? that. Yeah, it, it reminds me of something. <laughs> what is it? Anyway, so <laughs> the 25% is a blend of AHAs. Um, you've got glycolic acid, mm-hmm. lactic, mm-hmm. mandelic, mm-hmm. Malik mm-hmm. and Tartaric. Credit where credits do. I think this blend of AHA is very common, and mm. um, you'll find this exact blend in brands like The Ordinary and Drunk Elephant. Drunk Elephant. I'm sorry, scratch The Ordinary. You'll find this blend in um, brands like um, a Drunk Elephant. I think that's their signature mm. Sukari Baby Facial. I think that's also in the Frambu, the glycolic. Yeah. So, um, but credit where credit's due, Paul Choice actually shared the breakdown of their AHAs. Yeah. So they have, other than the 2% sal acid, they have 8.4% glycolic, oddly specific. Very specific. 7.1% lactic. Also very specific. 5% mandelic, 2.5% malic, and 2% tartaric. So that's the uh, their blend. So Gloria, can I get a quote on how you feel about malic? I was totally going to throw that question. <laughs> so malic and tartaric has about close to zero data showing that it works. So the heavy lifters in this formula are going to be your glycolic and lactic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I feel, I think the percentage definitely definitely is an effective mm-hmm. amount. Where I'm a little torn with this formula is my. This is a little personal. I don't love mixing um, BHA with your main AJs just because I think people's skin react actually very very differently to cell acid. Yeah. Than, you, you can say, hey, I put it together, so you get the bo- uh, best of both worlds. But um, for someone like me. I don't react very well to cell acid, mm-hmm. but I love glycolic. So when I see two percent cell acid in a product, I'm like, God, God damn. <laughs> yeah. And I also like based on the percentages, I feel like if you're used to like the ordinary or ours, um, using you know the twenty five percent level with that blend, it might not give the same benefit that right. you're used to, just because. You're, if you calculate out the, what is it, 8.4 and the 7.1% lactic and 5% malic, I mean, sorry, mandelic, um, the lactic and mandelic are incredibly gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, you might even try it, I would say, like once every other night. Yeah. Cause that I- might be a better frequency for this concentration, personally for me, but... Yeah. yeah, it depends on your skin's tolerance. Yeah. I will say, uh, like Victoria said, 8.4 glycolic is has been tested as gentle enough for daily use mm. and so has um glycolic acid so when you're kind of splitting the molecule so you're you're looking at it at like a roughly 15 percent total amount mm. of like your main ahas for those of you used to like um i think um pharmacy's honeymoon glow mm. is in that 15 percent range and it's used as a nightly serum mm. so if you're using something like that and that's your aha dosage and you're using this as a once a week mask you're not gonna really see that benefit yeah agreed cool yeah so that's the initial launch also um i will say they also one of the main uh ingredients they call is a soothing extract Mm -hmm. uh it's called butterfly pea flower extract Mm -hmm. the bio name is clitoria turnitia (laughs) You know, I had to say that because we have we're really immature. <laughs> Victoria told me this before name. the podcast, and I was like, "Teehee," and then here I am, still, still funny. <laughs> yeah, just the clitoria dosuit the soul. <laughs> yeah, and I will say, you know, they named this as the champion soothing soothing active, but this isn't a great example of buffering exotic extracts with other good soothers so for example bisabolo mm. and alantuan um so those are also in there as well and you know again insurance policies so there you go all right 
Uh, next piece of news is Estee Lauder actually um, has closed a couple brands. Um, <gasps> dun, yeah. Dun, dun. So one of them is, uh, it's called Rodin Oleoluso. Mm-hmm. And I'm not too familiar with this. I do remember their bottle of face oil. Um, I think at the time when face oils were just becoming very trendy. Um, so I remember that one. And then actually, in what I didn't realize is uh, February, um, just a couple months ago, they had closed Becca Cosmetics. So Becca, I think, first hit my ra- radar in college. Yeah, and that's when I was first learning how to use Do makeup. makeup. Yeah. yeah, and I definitely spent way too much money on a Becca blush that I never use. I have to ask for you, like, when was the first time you started like dabbling in makeup? College, and okay. it was probably. Uh, between somewhere between freshman year and sophomore in college, and that's when I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna go clubbing yeah. this weekend." <laughs> and, and, and looking back at some of the pictures that I took during that, oh my god, <laughs> that was the when, raccoon eyeshadow. Yes, yes, and I had a face, and yeah. I think when when I first got into it, that's when like Urban Decay palettes, yes, a really smoky cool. eye palette, first yeah. one, naked, the naked one, right? And I have a bone to pick with makeup artists everywhere because I think a lot of of um western makeup artists they don't know how to do makeup for more asian like um without the hood yes right yes yes and so i'm like they're watching youtube video and they're like no you apply i think urban decay has a midnight cowboy shade Uh, that's a white glitter shade and they're like use it to highlight your brow bone i was like okay if you say so (laughs) so you just have this like glittery patch right here And it made no freaking no, sense. No, that's so eyes. true. I don't know how many times. So I, when I was a kid, I did ballet, mm-hmm. and so, and ballet, like you have to wear stage makeup. makeup. Yeah. And they one time remember they would take us to the Clinique counter as like a fun little day, hang out with your friends, and like show you how to do like costume makeup. Mm-hmm. What's really annoying is. They didn't really know how to handle the eyebrow bone for me, and so and the they would always tell you like try not to use like purple tones because mm-hmm. it can make your eyes look very hollow and mm-hmm. dark. So you know she would try to use like um, I think like pink hues, but it looks so swollen. It looks <laughs> swollen. Like I look like I have a spot like just in this corner. Like I'm for podcast listeners like on the top right part of my eye mm-hmm. where they believe the hood of should your eyebrow be. should be, but. <laughs> It's like not the same, and I looked really silly. I started. kind of embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> the contour is another one where you're like, oh yeah, you take this contour brush and you go into uh, the, yes. the your eye like <laughs> just yeah, windshield wiper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't look very flattering. <laughs> A lot of Asian eye shape. No. I remember like I was getting ready like for going your, out your eyes have a fan yeah yeah <laughs> i will never forget i walked out and one of my roommates at the time he's a dude looked at me and go whoa <laughs> in the most unflattering way possible we're still friends but <laughs> uh, try so hard yes come a long way <laughs> yeah yeah all right anyway so we've gone off tangent yes um, but becca congratulations yeah. <laughs> yeah so other than that they've yeah they've closed those brands um and then finally we actually do have another celebrity launch um dude the allure trend i always think the allure trends are like very hit or miss um i think they probably get two out of ten right every year but the celebrity trend thing is yeah. very on point again we should have had like a bracket like March Madness anyways alright so this one is actually our from what I know of is our first TikTok celebrity skincare brand fortunately Gory and I don't really know TikTok celebrities but apparently Addison Rae has come out with a skincare slash makeup line um, called Fast Pass Mm -hmm. I'm sorry called Item and then I was just gonna do a decode, have Gloria do a decode of their Fast Pass HHL cleanser. So okay. Gloria. So this is a cleanser. And the top three ingredient reads water, propane diol, disodium cocoyl glutamate. Um, I'm gonna actually keep going. Glycerin betaine, hydroxycellulose, mm-hmm. and tocopherol. Mm-hmm. So um Propane diol is a cousin of propylene glycol. Um, it basically it's there to help it from freezing over. It's nice, a little hydrating. Mm-hmm. It keeps your um, formula solubilized. 
Cocoa glutamate, disodium uh, cocoa glutamate is a very, very common gentle surfactant. Yeah. Um, what I find very interesting about this formula is um, when I was reading out the list, tocopherol, which is vitamin E, comes in like, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, the sixth spot. Tocopherol is a good, the, the list goes on, but tocopherol is a very good indication that that's probably the 1% undermark. Yeah. So that means there's only one core surfactant, the glutamate. So my guess is actually that, wait, hold on, it's called the AHA cleanser. <laughs> Hold on, where's my AHA? So again, this goes back to our blank slate review. It's boring and it should be. So for cleansers that claim AHA, like this one, but it's, it's all the way at the bottom. And um, it's a little four four not found. Yeah, and Gory, yeah, and Gory already pointed out that tocopherol is already so high on the list. So um well it doesn't necessarily say there's, you know, it's like but it's that means it's and less th- it's ugh. that means that it's in there in less than one percent um especially for AHAs is really not a great range to get that exfoliation right. benefit um so really just think of this as a gentle cleanser and I find it really rare to have that one surf just one this, single surfactant yes. and not do a blend so actually um this brand this line is actually not that expensive but if you want to try to figure out if this surfactant is right for you, this is a rare scenario where you could probably do that. Yeah, and yeah. on the flip side, also pay attention to how well it cleanses. Yeah. Because my experience with it is that it's not the most no. effective. <laughs> yeah, it's gentle. Um, it's it's a very gentle cleanse. Um, again, we, we can't speak on the concentration of it, but... Typically, in order to get really great cleansing benefits, you need a blend. Um, yeah. They just act differently on the skin. They kind of like tag team it. So that's how you want to think of cleanser blends and why it's very hard for us to decode and why you don't really see us decode too many cleansers. Yeah, you know, we have this, it's very cyclical, mm-hmm. where Victoria and I will look at each other and we're like, we haven't done cleansing in a long time. And we're like, cool, let's move on. <laughs> it's just really and hard to talk about And what about this active treatment? <laughs> Yeah. All right. Cool. So yeah. Uh, other that's than that, yeah, that's it for the news. I think it's really time to just get into the summer routine. Um, I'm sure a lot of you realize, like, probably your winter moisturizers don't really feel like a great fit. Um, so first things we want to really tackle is just moisturizers. Yeah. So, like Victoria said, the meets today is all about summer routine. Moisturizer is something that I think a lot of you probably want to change up in the summer months. Uh, for back back in the olden days when we used to travel, that's also when sometimes I go back to Asia to visit mm-hmm, my family. Mm-hmm. And Taiwan is a swampy, swampy mess. <laughs> hot and swampy. Hot and swampy. Southerners will understand that climate. Yeah. So go back. Going back to kind of our rant during the brand update about how we think about the different components of the moisturizer. Just remember, humectants are your water-based components that uh, grab and hold on to moisture. Emollients are mo- usually lightweight oil that kind of smooth out the skin. And your occlusives seal in the moisture. Butters, waxes, petrolatum. Yes. And then your humectants are like hyaluronic acid, glycerin, propylene glycol, urea, things like that. Right. So then during the summer, if you are in a hotter, swampier climate, you want to skew heavier on the humectant mm-hmm. side. Probably chill a little bit on the occlusives. Yeah, just to keep it more light, and you don't have to worry as much about that kind of like water evaporation that tends to happen when you lack the mm-hmm. emollients and occlusives. Um, so yeah, definitely for humid climates. Now desert climates, I think actually yes. struggle a lot more because yes. it gets heavy. But then you'll come around two p.m. and you'll still feel very dry. Um, yeah. I think I want to say that, okay, we, I have very recently officially moved to SoCal. Yeah. Um, but last year, or even the years before, we've always had a lot of work in this region. Mm-hmm. And during the summer, I struggle so much. I have really dry skin. Mm-hmm. And I struggle so much with um, product application here. Because, like Victoria said, it's still really dry. So just humectants alone will absolutely not cut it. You still need the occlusive to really help mm-hmm. you seal everything in. Yeah. But it feels disgusting. Yeah. Um... So what I do is actually I just re- reapply a lot. Got it. Um, of the humectants? 
or a lighter weight moisturizer. Got I would still it. need a level of occlusives. Yeah. But um, but it would just need to be reapplied. Um, during winter, what works for me is really slathering on like a Bon Voyage, mm-hmm. a Vaseline. But during summer, like it does work. It does help. But you just feel too gross. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I think plant, like, face oils can be helpful here. Mm-hmm. But it has to be the right face oil. Um, I'm sure anybody who's dabbling in face oils know that some can just feel very fatty and mm-hmm. heavy. And then you can get to, like, a rose of Marula. Yes. Marula. Mm, sesame seed oil. Like yeah, the ones oil. that have that texture. <laughs> yeah. It's, it almost feels like there's that cushion. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a layer. Um but with some of the thinner oils, you can probably try to dabble in the lighter oils as another method to mm. help you stay nourished and hydrated. Um, yeah, just for a longer period of time. So maybe that's that's another easier way. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I want to say that I think for it, if you're happy, keep your moisturizer year round. Like by all means, it's not a necessity to mm-hmm. switch it up. Good point. Um, this is more for places that has a more drastic change. Yeah, agreed. All right, and next thing I have on the list list is sunscreen. Now, so um, speaking of sunscreen, we just wrote an article recently, thank you, um, talking about which type of products it takes longer to figure out if it's right for your skin. Sunscreen is something that you should know right away if it's Mm -hmm. good for you or not because when it comes to sunscreen, you can go on and on about physical filter, chemical filter, um, what's right for you, what's not, and um, all the formulation knickknacks that we can talk about. But there's only one golden rule that you should really pay attention to that is texture is king. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Texture is king. So what you need is to find something that you will slather on thick. Most of you are under applying sunscreen, just the nature of it. You need way more than you think you need. Um, And also, a lot of us are guilty of forgetting to reapply. I think reapplying is the bigger mistake. Really, really tough. Yeah. it's hard, like, you ain't got a life to live, so, yeah. Yeah, so you want something that's very pleasant, that mm-hmm. you will want to lay on thick, that you wouldn't mind reapplying, even as the day goes on, your face might be starting to get a, get a little grimy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's sunscreen. And, and I, I did want to add, there's a couple things to even, um, we wanted people to be a little bit more mindful about. One is lip sunscreen. Um, your lip skin is actually very thin. It doesn't actually have the same defense mechanisms as mm-hmm. your normal skin does in protecting itself from the sun. So um, I think a lot of people didn't even think that your lips actually do need sun protection as well. Actually, last year, yeah. we spent some time trying out a bunch of SPF yeah. lipsticks. Um, we should definitely, we'll, we'll repost that so we'll you guys do a post. that. Yeah. yeah, it tastes really gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a downside for sure. Um, I don't think there was a single one we found that we didn't taste the actual sunscreen filter. Yeah, yeah. and at least for me, I was very partial to chemical filters because mm-hmm. mineral filters that white cast and a lot of powders, like, I have like like, I have dry lips and it settles into the lines. It is not a good look. No, no, not at all. So, agreed. And then um, the other thing is uh, a lot of people are now going outside. Yes. Um, you're probably thinking about foundation. Um, you can try to think about using SPF foundation, but just keep in mind you make sure you're actually putting enough of it on. Um, that's one way to kind of... Um, I want to say touch up um, mm-hmm. and if let's say you're going to the gym you're coming back you need to retouch midday maybe a foundation SPF is a lot easier than trying to do the whole regimen that you had in the morning with like moisturizer sunscreen and then foundation on top yeah just some ways to like play optimize and just make your routine a little more efficient I would say in the sunscreen realm yeah and that's a good way to think about any hybrid products yeah. I think we mentioned in the previous episode like moisturizer sunscreen hybrids yeah. makeup sunscreen hybrids um at the end of the day to get that protection just remember you have to pick a product that you don't mind laying on relatively thickly yep exactly all right next next all right this is a part where we want to mention actives that you can consider giving it a rest during summer mm-hmm. um so for those of you that feel like holy crap i've been using these actives during summer am i ruining my skin no that's not what we're saying we're just saying that you know if let's say you're thinking about switching up the actives in your routine mm-hmm. um 
these are some places you can think about. I think the easiest one um, that we always like to talk about is pigmentation actives, Mm -hmm. specifically tyrosinase inhibitors, um, just because they have to already work really hard. And then when you're constantly getting a lot more sun, it just makes that challenge. It's just more difficult for them to really tackle. So it's one way to save yourself a dime because pigmentation serums can get very expensive. Right, so um, you can absolutely use it during this mm-hmm. time, but like Victoria said, it's not some. It's not. A, it's just not a pocket of time where you could expect to see a lot of results. Mm. Um, a good sunscreen habit is key, and you're still fighting against all the sun exposure that you're getting. Yep. Um, but on the flip side, if you want to maintain um, your pigmentation care, just make sure that your hyperpigmentation doesn't get worse. Um, keep up with your niacinamide and yeah. keep up with your vitamin C. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, those two um, are actually targeting your pathways differently. Um, niacinamide is actually trying to prevent your melanin from depositing that pigment Whereas vitamin C, we all know, is actually preventing damage. So, right. So those are go. great for upkeep. Yeah. Um, I think in general, in summer, going off of that tangent is think about your routine here as upkeep mm. rather than like active correction. Yeah. No, that's a great point. All right. And then the second one that you can also consider giving a rest is retinoids. Um This is more, I would say, more anecdotal because, one, if, let's say, you're doing a heavy-duty retinoid, um, sun sensitivity sensitivity is a big issue. And if you're not good with sunscreen habits, then it's just not all very good. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think... There's like a great debate on the internet about sunscreen use during, uh, I mean, retinol use during the day in general. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I heard like this is bad for me during the day, no. this and no. But it's, you can do, you can use it with good sunscreen habit. But the problem is a lot of people don't have good sunscreen habit. Right. So that's really more the PSA that we're, is probably the theme of this episode is just if you don't have good sunscreen habits, then some of these more photosensitizing actives maybe consider waiting till fall, um, especially if you're just starting to want to tackle retinoids. Um, yeah. Or I would if, say summer is not a really good time to start. Yeah. And if retinoids, uh, if you have a hard time with it in general, like me, if you shed very easily, get inflamed, then yeah, definitely yeah. consider giving a rest. Yeah. So... Then the other one that I'm sure you guys are thinking about is what about AHAs um, and BHAs? Hmm. So this is where I find like AHAs can be very helpful during the summer because like if you're getting a lot of, sadly, if you're getting a lot of sun or you're very dry or you're flaking and um, it can actually really help just improve that tone and texture. Um, Again, if you don't have good sunscreen habits, maybe do you want try not to do like a really intense peel mm-hmm. or you plan to get a lot of sun maybe to hold off for that intense peel till fall but i don't know gloria i think this is really more personal preference it is just note that i think like victoria said i think exfoliation is very important to yeah. anyone's long-term routine and during summer it's extra helpful yeah definitely don't forget to exfoliate during the summer mm-hmm. um but how you go about it you might consider tweaking up if you're someone that is very comfortable with the 30 percent glycolic peel yeah. like every week um during summer especially when you're getting excess sun exposure consider maybe switching to a lactic or spacing out longer so you're still getting chemical exfoliation but you're just not frying your face as much um the idea is with summer with uh, increased heat and sun exposure don't put your baby new skin at risk (laughs) yeah exactly and um, I was actually going to ask you, Laura, do you change up your active routine for summer? You know, interestingly, so I am debating about, so last year I spent a lot of time tackling retinol yeah. and trying to incorporate my routine. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't do anything last year during summer. I'm sure no one did much yeah. uh, last year during summer. Um, so I kept going. Um, but this year I'm considering dropping back the retinol during summer. And I don't change up my exfoliation at all. Because mm. my skin is pretty ret- uh, is glycolic tolerant, especially when I'm not retinol. I basically... Do you do a mask? I do a mask. Okay. I do the 30% mask. Um, Twice a day. Um, um, 
Oh. I mean, sorry, twi- not twi- twice a week. Twice uh, a once day. a week is enough for okay. me. Um, but I can just keep it up during summer, oh, okay. no issues. Because I've never experienced any sort of irritation from... I mean, it's hard for me to over-exfoliate from chemical exfoliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I think it's, again, yeah, this is really personal preference and just um, what are some good habits to keep in mind for sunscreen. Mm. For me, I feel like with acne, there's no breaking. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think a lot of us know it's like there's no quit um, it's during summer. Um, it's just a matter of braving putting on sunscreen (laughs) it's really hard um i know for oily skin types and acne people that are afraid of breaking out to put on sunscreen but i will tell you that with acne lesions what happens in excess sun is they start to darken and it makes that healing process a lot longer so um just brave it you can do it there's better textures out there so i really believe nowadays we can all put on sunscreen yes. even acne skin types yeah so on the flip side what actives should you consider introducing during summer Ooh. well i would say probably well i think an easy one's peptides mm-hmm. um I don't actually think there is one peptide out there that does make you um photosensitive so um I think it's if you're looking for a fun realm of skincare to play in, that peptides would probably be one you can easily introduce. Um, what about you, Laura? Um, I think this is definitely time to experiment with the really funky antioxidant claims you get out there. We <laughs> kombucha, summer kombucha for your face and for your body. <laughs> All right, maybe not that funky. Well, I always think I. Again, going back to a blog post we just wrote, um, the way we think of antioxidant is it's a little bit like a religion because you're not actively, you you may not be actively correcting yeah. anything in the short term because yeah. the idea is antioxidants prevent damage. Yeah. So if it works, you're supposed to see nothing. Yeah. So um, no change for the worse, but not necessarily change for the better. Yeah. So it can get a little confusing yeah. in this category, but I will say summer. You definitely need an antioxidant. Mm-hmm. Ascorbic acid, vitamin C is our gold standard. But if you want to layer on a few, experiment with other antioxidants, yeah. there's a time of year it doesn't hurt to try. Yeah. And I would say, like, summer is also just... Because you people who are a lot more active, I feel mm-hmm. like it's, it is a fun time to, like, dabble in skincare. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of mask, clay mask, you know, like all those hydrogel, like eye patches, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I feel like it's just kind of a nice um, wind down from like, you know, being out in the sun all day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually, on that note, I want to follow up on something that we mentioned really briefly in the last episode, which is heat and skincare has more. Oh, yes. Has Wonderful. More, yeah, <laughs> more science. And it, it always sounds a little hokey, right? Oh, yeah, just uh, cool your face. It'll do better. Well, I mean, if you think about athletes, they do cryotherapy all the yes. time. <laughs> there is a reason for that. Mm-hmm. So go on, Gloria. Yep. So there's actually a paper where um, they kind of coined the term thermal aging, which is yeah. another aspect of how the sun can cause your skin to age faster. Oh, um, interesting. So this is uh, from heat. Yes. Okay. So they looked at a study and um, what they did was was they kind of figure out that in summer, under direct sunlight, your dermis can get as, as hot as 104 degrees Celsius. Oh, wow. So you're like internal temperature plus the plus infrared. Okay. Which, by the way, infrared from the sun, it penetrates a lot deeper mm-hmm. than UV light. And we, I was going to say, we, you know, a lot of people ask about blue light. Mm-hmm. But for us, if we wanted to think about another wavelength that might be bad for us, we always talk about IR. Yeah, yeah. IR, I think, was having a moment mm-hmm. and getting a lot of attention. Just a blip. Before blue light? Yeah, then blue light came But then COVID hit. <laughs> I blame... You know, I, I blame, but it's not to blame. I blame ophthalmologists and optometrists because y'all started talking about blue light and then they came out with the yellow tinted blue light lenses and then it transferred to skincare and there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, IR does penetrate very deep into your skin. Mm-hmm. goes as deep as a dermis. And 
there's a lot of talk about how that is yeah. actually very responsible for a lot of signs of aging. Yeah. And long story short, the study um, look at the effect of heat kind of isolated from the UV component of cool. light. And oh, cool. Yeah, and showed that um, it, it does cause inflammation mm-hmm. and it can lead to, there's a lot of technical terms like, oh, like the MMP expression gets carried away, and it leads to um, breakdown of collagen. Mm-hmm. Long story short, inflammaging! Long story <laughs> short, it is a key component to aging, and a really easy way to do it is pop a face mask in the fridge. <laughs> Pretty cool. So, did they do any sort of treatment? Or? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, in this particular study, they didn't look Mechanism at treatment. Study. Mechanism study only, <laughs> Not actual clinical. I mean, if you want to talk about how hard it is to do our yeah, job, yeah, is these yeah. like snapshots. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. We always feel like we are sometimes a bad news bearer because a lot of study will we be really like. We really try not to be. We're actually quite positive people, I promise. <laughs> Yes, yes, we are. But a lot of times we talk about mechanisms of aging, and there are these review papers. It's like, you look at it from all angles and it gets very depressing because it's like everything living causes aging mm. so i think for us a lot of times we do want to highlight that skincare should be fun and you know highlighting where all the, where all the damage might come from isn't like try not to let it stress you out at the end it of the day stress you out right you, yeah you have a good routine set up and at the end of the day have fun with it and it's it's your me time yeah. it's very hard to have me time right now Yes. I, I, I've been complaining, Gloria. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you're worried about um, thermal aging, yeah. yeah, pop a face back in the fridge. I love stuff like this where the mm. problem has a very straightforward solution. Mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. wear a sun hat. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't stand in direct sunlight well, for too long. That reminds me, we will be following up with some sun studies oh. and posts. And one that's like been really overdue is just focusing on UV protective clothing. Yes. And how that's actually really important. You think your t-shirt is saving you. But let me tell you. It's not. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Um, all right. So that's that. Uh, what else do we got? So that's... Um, we talked about antioxidants. We talked about uh, peptides. We got thermocoline. Hopefully that gives everyone a general idea. Um, oh, I have a really different one. This is super random, but mm-hmm. wash your face. Yeah, I was going to say, in terms of cleansing, yeah, you might want to find a more powerful cleanser with all the layering that you might be doing during summer. Yeah. So, yeah. And actually, I have felt... My friends, all my friends have really garbage cleansing habits. Hmm. And I, just, I don't know why I find that summer dirt and grind build up extra disgusting if you don't wash your face. Uh, I have, let's see, what's the worst that you've heard? Just the, uh, to give everyone a spiel, like an example. Just, I just feel like I have heard of people going to the beach and going home and just going to bed and not wash their face. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> Ew, come on! Mm. Um... I think the one I've heard was uh, hand soap. Oh, a hand soap to the face? Hand soap to the face was one. Another Very one, stripping. which I thought was like, it's just more really lazy than anything. Mm-hmm. Is like... Um, At least one, not dish soap to the face. Yeah, I thought it was pretty bad. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, so one of my friends was saying, I just let my shampoo suds run down my face. <laughs> I'll clean my it's face. a dude, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. He has great skin, doesn't he? <laughs> he, does. <laughs> he does. You know, that's that's also really infuriating. Is a lot of these people that we meet that have terrible routines have pretty decent skin. It's a and genetic it's just, lottery, isn't it? It's not fair. <laughs> exactly. And it's just poor examples for people to not live by. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I think that's the meat. That is the meat? <gasps> Sweet. Sweet. We are keeping it efficient today. Yes. All right. We have a new segment, guys. Yes. So I thought of this. I thought that for every episode from here on out, we will, sh- each of us will share um, one marketing claim for show and tell. And then you guys just <laughs> show and tell. That's a cool project here. Yeah. And you guys just brew on it. And it's really more just to see. Gloria's reaction oh, when I tell oh, her about this. Oh. So, anyway, so this is I'm I'm up first. I volunteered myself. So, um, 
Anyways, uh, I found a kind of like high-tech moisturizer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are saying they use nanotechnology to um, help the formula better penetrate your skin, yes. better texture, blah, blah, blah. But one of the claims that they list is that the moisturizer is pH neutralizing. So I want to know, Gloria, what does that mean? I couldn't find any other explanation. It's just a bullet point. pH neutralizing? Neutralizing. So the, I don't I get um, Okay. I'm kind of confused <laughs> because, first of all, your skin is slightly acidic and you want it to be slightly acidic. So neutral sounds worse. Sounds bad, (laughs) right? It's 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 seven. (laughs) Yes, uh, for a quick middle school skin science lesson, a neutral pH is seven. Your skin is sitting around five, five point six. Oh, sorry. And this is all on a log scale, so between five, six, and seven, that's actually a huge difference. difference. Yeah. Um. So I don't know what that means, at all. I don't know if they're actually trying to acidify your skin, but find the more neutral, more appealing from a marking angle. Or they're actually naturalizing your skin pH, which is not great. So I guess using, I guess if they said pH acidifying, that sounds worse. Yeah, maybe it's a, maybe the word neutral is attractive, yeah. therefore they chose that wording, or I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, and I will say that, um, a lot of times with moisturizers and whatnot, you know, they talk about pH balancing. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, your what happens is, yes, your skin will, you know, take on that pH, but it's temporary, um, and then your skin will slowly recalibrate um, its pH. So just want you to think of, like, when you apply products, it doesn't mean that it's altering, it's permanently altering your pH Mm -hmm. level on the skin surface. I will say, I think pH is a subject that a lot of people in the skincare enthusiast community is very obsessed about. Mm -hmm. We always say it's one piece of the puzzle Mm -hmm. to the whole equation. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is, like Victoria said, if you have a non-compromised skin barrier, it's almost slightly of a non-issue because yes. your skin self-adjusts. Yes, exactly. And then on the flip side... Because your skin is healthy. Yes. So it can adjust. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and then in, if you have eczema or mm-hmm. other more compromised skin barrier problems, it mm-hmm. could help. Yes. Um, but I think a lot of people ask this like, oh, I'm layering four products. The first product is a pH of three. Second one's pH of five or six. Mm-hmm. How long should I wait? That's kind of a non-issue because um, at the end of the day, um, if your skin takes a few hours to adjust, mm-hmm. you're not going to wait a few hours before uh, between applying products. And then secondly, it's kind of like um, some products are at that pH because it needs it to be stable, not necessarily it needs to stay at that pH on your face for four hours to yeah, work. exactly. When in doubt, I want to say go back to clinical protocols. Mm-hmm. When people test the, what I will, I assure you, when people test a vitamin C serum, they're not sitting there and watching vitamin C sit on your face at the same pH <laughs> for four hours. They take, give it they're to you. Place a pH strip on the skin. Every 10 minutes. See what color it turns. <laughs> yeah. Rest assured, they're saying, hey, man, go home, use this product, yeah. and uh, report back in four weeks. So it's not that serious. So Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, you know, this is, I hopefully this segment will be helpful for everyone to kind of, like, discern when they hear claims like this. Another thing is also to... We can also attest to how difficult it is for marketers to claim things. And um, you'll see that sometimes they have to get very creative and we can teehee about it and understand their pain. So anyways, well, Gloria will be up next to do her next one next time. I already have one in mind. Oh, God. It's going to be bad, isn't it? All right. All right. So it's time. It's time. It's time. It's, it's time, time to, to break, 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 break it up, break, 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 break it up, break, 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 break it up. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> animal fun corner time, fun, fun animal corner. It's animal corner. <laughs> it's animal fun facts. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this time, uh, it's my turn. Um. Oh, it would be so kind. I'm sorry. Got, Gloria has all our notes, so uh, we're gonna read it off. Uh, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So this time it was my turn, and um, it's actually about another bird. Yes. And 
I don't know if you guys have any friends that are bird watchers or have birds or their hobby, but I'm starting to understand the reason for it because their behaviors, first of all, there's so many types of birds, but their behaviors are fascinating. So today I would like to talk about the cuckoo bird. Cuckoo. Okay, so the cuckoo bird, um, it's actually well known because of its symbol in human culture. Um, you already know the sound. It really does make that cuckoo sound. And, um, and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's really not something you should use to describe a person. Um, but anyways, um, so actually cuckoos are quite a wide variety of birds um, that can include anything from a roadrunner to a hornbill. Oh. Um, yeah, so I didn't know that. Really wide family species. Um, there is a sus- subspecies of cuckoo called Cuculinae, and <laughs> they are um, the subspecies, um, different types, are they're actually brood parasitic. Um, oh. What that means is they lay eggs in oh. other birds' nests and then they peace out. <laughs> <laughs> so I was fascinated by this behavior, and so I started reading, and it turns out that. Um, you can actually, if you do a quick Google search, you'll find really petite parent birds feeding these big ass cuckoo babies. <laughs> like, it looks really unfortunate. Um, <laughs> you know, I always joke that I think one day my sister will leave my niece and/or nephew Harry on Potter my door- doorstep, yeah, on my doorstep, yeah. Harry Potter style. So it's like kind of the same idea. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Um, It turns out that this behavior is pretty clever and they have to get pretty strategic. So a few notes. Um, One of them is that they actually have the ability to incubate the egg um, 24 hours ahead. Mm -hmm. So what that means is these birds end up developing a little faster than the average bird. So before you know, you're stuck. Yes. And so what happens is when these baby birds hatch and they develop faster and they're bigger, these parents that the baby has been off to are like, well, this is a healthy baby. I should be keeping this one around. Because what happens a lot in nature is that they want to keep the healthy, the um, the healthy ones survive and the weak, they die off and they let them be. That's messed up. Super messed up. So one way they cheated the system. Wait, hold up. So are there... I mean, there's got to be some birds that's like, that's not my baby. Yeah. Um, But what they've realized is, you know, it's kind of like, which is the worst fate? You Mm -hmm. know, you have the risk of accidentally offing your own baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And kicking that, destroying. What they do is they destroy the egg. So they don't want to destroy their own baby's eggs. And a lot of times they just kind of, that is what it is. And they'll just keep it around because they'd rather not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... That leads to the other thing is that some birds actually have the ability to mimic some of the eggs that they lay. So oh, I'll that's show so you cool. like there. We'll, we'll put it up on YouTube, but it's a picture of like the different eggs. The larger one being the cuckoo egg, and they look quite similar oh, in that's pattern. So funny. Yeah. So there's that. There's another strategy where <laughs> the two cuckoo bird parents they tag team. The male one basically will try to drive the other, the nesting parent out of the nest um, or like basically egg it on so that, you know, trying to get that nesting parent to chase it. Mm-hmm. And then the female will quickly run in the nest, drop its egg and run out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's really, really shitty. Really <laughs> yeah, so there's that. There's even another one where they purposely, um, this is for nests that are like in, kind of like in hidden burrows and darker places. Um, cuckoo birds will lay like a darker egg so that they can't really see the egg. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an illusion. Um, and suddenly they're like, oh shoot, I have an extra baby I didn't even count for. Yeah, so there's that. Um, they are dicks. <laughs> yeah, so I I was thinking about this and I just got really upset for these poor parents that just <laughs> suddenly had this huge bird to feed. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, there you go. See, it's crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, um, you know, the thing is, 
feeling pretty angry, but just know there are actual labs that are studying this behavior and whether or not it's truly detrimental, um, mm-hmm. you know, to the species, to these other species. Um, Professional so, moochers, these birds. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Um, but it turns out there's, you know, it's still in debate. Some say that, like, you know, it's because of this behavior that it actually does help these parent birds um and their species to survive um Mm -hmm. they've even mentioned that you know cuckoo birds they have this they excrete this kind of oil that is kind of offensive to predators you know um so that's one camp and the other camp is still like not really sure and maybe they are just assholes crappy (laughs) (laughs) really crappy birds of society so anyway so that's the cuckoo bird bird. (laughs) yeah Yeah. fascinating but anyways all right all right so that leaves our last segment q a corner oh baby hit me question one um excuse me this was a question on our how to combine actives like a pro question oh oh okay she asked can you use niacinamide cell mm-hmm. acid and retinol together uh all in one product layered I guess so didn't specify you know um yeah I think it's okay um it's not really that uncommon um in acne mm-hmm. so I would say that and I think niacinamide is a great add or especially for those two actives. So I'd say go for it. Sunscreen. That Please sunscreen. Yeah. So yeah. anyways, what about you, Gloria? Uh, yeah, I would say my dry skin senses are tingly. Um, <laughs> if your skin's tolerant, like yeah. Victoria said, if they work in all three work in very different ways on your skin. Mm-hmm. Now, my retinol are a great combo. Um, salicylic acid because it works from a different angle. So if you have oily, um, congested skin, that's a fantastic combo. If you have drier skin like me, that might be a little too aggressive. Like, yeah. I don't, my skin's is a little reactive to retinol mm-hmm. and it's very reactive to salicylic acid. So that combo just... And I want to mention, we just did a kind of like AHA poll, and I thought it was interesting. Someone asked if tretinoin was part of chemical exfoliants, and I can totally see how that happens because you're thinking of shedding and flaking and whatnot. But I do want to mention they actually work on two different pathways. Um, Think of your AHAs as top down, you know, you're working at the surface and then, you know, the retinol, um, these retinoids are actually targeting a very specific receptor that's Mm -hmm. causing your cell turnover cycle. So just want to let you guys know how to like think about, or just a reminder of um, how to think about the actives. All right. All right, next. Retinol question. Uh, I'm loving retinol. However, my cheeks seem to flush very easily when warm, wearing a mask, mm. drinking alcohol, etc. Yeah. I don't actually have dryness or other adverse reactions. Mm. So what gives and what can I do to help? Yeah. Uh, Goya? Uh, I took the first one. I was gonna oh, share. yes. <laughs> um, honestly, retinol's funky and it could just happen. Sensitivity. You, yeah. Right. Exactly. So if your face flushes... Um, for no other reason. First of all, take a closer look at your current routine. I, I personally also, I find my skin to be a little bit more reactive in general when yeah, I'm on retinol. That's a great point. So, so when I'm not on retinol, I can glycolic like four times a week, no problem. Not recommended for everyone. But when I'm on retinol, I have to dial back to lactic acid or else yeah. I experience that flushing. Yeah. So first of all, take a closer look at your products. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that, um, I would say even just patch test to make sure they all agree with your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, if you're not experiencing dryness or flaking, just that elevated sensitivity, that's actually probably a solid sign that you're on about the right tier of retinol use. If you're worried, um, I would say um, look at look closer to your routine, and that's probably it. Like the flushing is kind of normal; it just happens. Yeah, and don't forget your soothers. You know they can be very helpful in kind of alleviating those um, kind of that, those side effects that you're experiencing. Um, I would say that if you are experiencing it long term, that doesn't sound quite normal um so um hey you can email us if you have any issues um long term to see maybe there's uh, a certain ingredient or active that you're maybe your skin isn't quite happy with together with retinoids but other than that hang in there yeah uh all right this isn't a question but it is uh it is a my tinfoil hat moment (gasps) of the week guess what guess what 
did it. We we made tinfoil hats. I'm ready. <laughs> so we get a lot of questions on um, you know those like Facebook famous mm-hmm. trendy products. That's mm-hmm. like, ooh, I've seen this uh 4.8 star reviewed pigmentation fighting cream mm-hmm. uh, that's been reviewed a thousand, two thousand times. Mm-hmm. And then people ask us like, what do you think? Like, is it legit? Um, so my tinfoil hat theory of the day. Oh, I'm so ready. Let me hang on. <laughs> there are two types of products okay. that if you see a review average rating of, let's say it's 4.8 stars mm-hmm. over a thousand reviews, mm-hmm. it's freaking bullshit. And that is pigmentation and eye creams. Yes. Yeah. Can agree. I think that's a great tinfoil hat theory. And why is that, Gloria? <laughs> so for pigmentation, inherently, a chunk of you will be disappointed because it's a type of product that takes a long time to to work. <laughs> it takes a while to work. And let's be real. So when we're doing clinical studies, mm-hmm. pigmentation, you can pick up on an instrument like a very sophisticated camera machine. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that difference a lot faster. Mm-hmm. But let's say the machine is picking up a 10% difference or a 15% difference. Mm-hmm. Do you visually see that improvement? Debatable. And everyone's different, You right? feel like the mirror is playing, like the lighting is like maybe more flattering. Right. It, and it might take a long time for you to get to an amount of improvement where you're like, wow, I can see, notice, and feel a difference and I'm happy. And let's be real, a lot of people, us included, sometimes it just... It's hard to be that consistent for a long time, right? Yeah. Are you really super consistent with your um, serum or treatment use for three months at a time? So if you um, if you fall off that bandwagon a little bit, but you still feel like, I've been using this for three months and I see nothing. That's also very, very common pigmentation. So when nine out of nine people say, I am so hot, this pigmentation cream changed my life. And then when you see 2,000 people say, this pigmentation cream changed my life, I'm skeptical. Yeah, and I, uh, that's such a great point. I mean, we just did that article on the um, skincare timeline and mm-hmm. when to check in, right? And I will say... Uh, brands have different interpretations of like what con- is considered as pigmentation active. So maybe just give the IL read. If you see like an AHA in there, I can see people saying like, oh, I see a visible improvement because, you know, your skin texture, um, you can actually see those things a lot sooner. Yeah. And they contribute that to pigmentation uh, improvements, but that's not, it's, it's just different. So I, again, like I, I couldn't agree more, and I feel like ultra skeptical. Eye creams, I, I think that's my passion project is like, I on average expect eye creams to have a three to three and a half star. If you're <laughs> a five star and you're, I, and you don't have a clinical, I just, it doesn't seem realistic. Not even a little bit. Because so, we all know eye, uh, eye era concerns outside of you know crow's feet even uh are really difficult so it's not our favorite topic to write about you'll see that we have very little posts and i'm still hunting yes (laughs) i hear your concerns because topically it's just a very difficult problem to solve Mm -hmm. and there isn't a ton of great data so if you see an eye cream with 2000 reviews averaging 4.9 stars with people say it erased my eye bags i'm gonna wager and say those are kind of bullshit yeah and i think um anything that is doing that probably has more of like a temporary film that is really more like a makeup aesthetic it's not actually treating the problem now victoria do you miss those kind of projects you see me breaking out into hives as I talk about eye films. My ass, Gloria. I, I really don't. I really hope Chemist Confessions does not go down this journey of eye films. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so that's maybe one of the ways that you're um, you're hearing about reviews that are like overnight. My eye bags have improved. I'm like, mm, 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 mm. yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah, fun fact, when we first started, our <laughs> the Chemist Confessions line review is very organically um, generated. Yeah. When we first started, we you know, we were handwriting emails <laughs> to our customers to say, hello, 
How did you like Aquaman? <laughs> no, that's so true. Oh my god, I can't believe. It. And then we manually that. posted them like, "Thank you. Can we share this review? Copy and paste." Oh my god, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, we were so yeah. I mean, this is like us. At- <laughs> Excuse Gloria's cat. Gloria, go get her cat so they can. Oh, see. okay, okay. Give okay. her a second. Give me a second. It's catalog. Yeah, I completely forgot about it. Um. When we first started, we were so bootstrapped, and we were we were trying to um, manage this like blog website with product, and it's just the two of us. So um, we were cold calling, emailing our customers for direct feedback. So if you were one of our early customers and you're wondering who is sending you this review email, it was one of us and we really appreciate that you gave us this. Honestly, we actually got some really like full-blown reviews. Um, And honestly, long time friends. Hey, Kumal. Hi. So for those of you who don't know, I actually have two cats, but Mm. this one is meatier and more human friendly you can't tell by the way he He's doesn't struggling. like being <laughs> yeah but he was actually howling to get into the podcast room but, so yeah that Anyways, was Kumo. for yeah. kumo's backstory refer back to the previous episode yeah. <laughs> um all right so i think that's it that's it short and sweet short ish <laughs> yeah um but yeah anyways um that wraps it up um i have no idea what comes next i think we're headed for sunscreen part two most likely yeah we might have lied about that but yeah. sunscreen part two is coming <laughs> yeah so that one um we've got some uh i don't know we've got some cool content um we're hoping we can actually get done so look for that and then um as always if you have any questions you know where to find us yeah Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.